<laughs> All right, love you. Well, I kind of feel like Marshawn Lynch this morning. <laughs> I get to carry the ball. All right. I just hope I make a touchdown. Amen. So Amen. all of you Seahawks fans will relate to that. So good to be able to just stand before you and share what I feel God has put on my heart. Uh, there's an unusual sense and presence of God among us these days. I don't know if you have discerned that or not, if you feel that or not, but it's, it's, it's an incredible time. And uh, I want to do three things this morning. I want to I share with you kind of a testimony of 70 plus years of life that I've lived. And uh, then I want to give you some instruction that I feel God has spoken into my heart that is really instruction for us as a church, but on a broader scale, I believe uh, it will prove to be a word that the world will hear, needs to hear in what God is doing today. And then I want to end by making a prophetic declaration. And uh, I really feel prophetic in my spirit and what I'm going to share. <clears throat> Something that's been building for a number of, of months, uh, years maybe even in that. I want to begin by looking at two portions of scripture. And as we read these two different portions of scripture, I would like you to just notice in particular a, a couple of words. And we're reading the whole verse, but there's just a couple of words that I want to take out of, out of these two portions of Scripture. Acts chapter 3 to begin with. And uh, on the way to the temple, Peter and John were encountered by a man who uh, cried out and, and asked for money. And Peter said, uh, I don't have any, but what I have, I give you. And in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And this man who from his birth had laid at the gate, uh, a cripple, uh, was made whole. And the people were astounded, just astounded, because they knew this man. And uh, Peter began to declare to them that this Jesus, who they had crucified, uh, had raised this man up. And then Peter gave this instruction to those that were around him at that time. He said, repent then and turn. I want you to notice the word turn. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. I think he was in particular talking about what he had just mentioned to them about them being the ones who crucified this Jesus. But he says, turn to God that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. One translation says from the Lord's presence. So the word is turn this morning, that we, we turn to God so that times of refreshing may come, seasons of refreshing. One translation uses the word seasons, not just time, but there are seasons, and uh, in my lifetime, I have experienced uh, four particular seasons of refreshing, 
four different times in my life that we in the community of, of believers and the world have experienced definite times of refreshing. Uh, not to get ahead of myself, but I believe that we are in the beginning of a time, a season of refreshing. And uh, over the last few weeks especially, I have been so aware of something unusual beginning to happen. Uh, I hope you are too. I hope you are discerning that. And before we're through this morning, that the Holy Spirit will begin to put in your heart uh, the discerning of what is our season and our time. And uh, it's a time of, of, we would call it revival. It's a time of renewal. It's a time of restoration. It's a time of reviving. I just simply say, it's a time we're coming alive. The church is coming alive. That we, in particular, at, at, at Generational Hope, we're, we're coming alive. It's a season of refreshing. Luke chapter 19, when Jesus comes to Jerusalem, I believe he's uh, standing on the Mount of Olives where you can look down and see the city of Jerusalem, the old city. I've stood there. And he comes in. This is what Luke 1941 says. Again, notice these words. Now, as he, Jesus, drew near, he saw the city Jerusalem and he wept. He wept over the city. Only two times did Jesus, we are told that Jesus wept. And this is one time as Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem, the scripture says that he wept, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you, and your children within you, so the ground, and they will not, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. I don't believe that uh, Jesus is pronouncing condemnation or woe is me or reproach upon the city. I think the emphasis is just simply be aware that you don't miss your day of visitation. See, the most important thing is not what could happen, the most important thing is what is happening. And he's warning us in the spirit. I, I feel in the spirit that there's, there's a tug coming in my heart and in our hearts that it's a time of refreshing. It's a time, a season that God is bringing to the church, uh, not only us, but worldwide. And we need to be careful. It's a, it's a warning that, that we are careful as a people that we don't miss our day of visitation. And, and it's hard for you and me to probably even uh, recognize the heart of Jesus as he stood overlooking the city knowing what they could have had was for them. Their day of visitation, the Messiah among them. And yet, they didn't even discern their day of visitation. Wow. 
It's a time to discern, as never before, our day of visitation. I was seven years old. My mom could, t could have told you a lot about me at seven and on the years following. But I was seven years old when I went with my parents to a family in our church, the Moon family, brother and sister Moon. Back then, we called them brother and sister. We didn't call them by their name. We called them in honor, brother and sister. And we went to the Moon residence. And I couldn't go in the house. I had to stay out in the yard and stand on the sidewalk because Sister Moon was dying. The doctors had told her that there's absolutely no help for her. There's nothing they can do. And she had come home, and she was in bed. Us kids couldn't go in the house because she was dying. Everybody had resigned as my father, along with a couple of other men, carried Sister Moon in her robe, bathrobe, out of the house, and they placed her in the back of a station wagon. But for you that don't know what a station wagon is, it's an SUV today. They, they, they laid her on a makeshift bed in the back of the station wagon. And as a little seven-year-old boy, I stood there watching this whole process. And I watched as the car drove away down the road and out of sight. Probably can't remember, but probably thought maybe we'll never see her again. And I stood in our yard, which was across the street from the pastor two days later, when that same car drove back, stopped at the pastor's house because the pastor and his wife had taken brother and sister Moon to Tacoma. And when the car stopped this time, the first one out of the car opening the passenger side door was Sister Moon, jumping, dancing, and leaping because God had totally 100% healed her and she lived to be at least 85 years old. Those were days that were called uh, the healing ministries. Uh, the latter rain. Some of you that don't know church history, in those days there was a great outpouring began in Canada and swept across the United States and swept around the world and people were healed by the thousands. That was the time when Spokane was called the most healthy city in the world because so many people had been healed. John G. Lakes, Oral Roberts, Branham, on and on and on. As God moved, a season of refreshing moved across the face of the earth as God moved by his mighty spirit. I remember those days, even as a little boy, a seven-year-old boy, I remember sitting in our living room and listening to the men, the ladies that gathered in our home talk about what God was doing all over the earth. And our little church in Cleelum was experiencing, along with that, the, the spirit of revival, the spirit of refreshing, the moving of God. And it was, it was a time, it was a season of refreshing. Oral Roberts would, would pray 
In one night, he would pray for two or 3,000 people to be healed. People were healed. And about 20 years later, about 20 years later, there was another phenomenon began to happen. Heard about these hippies. <laughs> Being baptized in the Pacific Ocean in California by the thousands. And I heard about a little place in western Washington, just a little, little burg in western Washington, that they told me there was a hippie behind every tree. <laughs> they had escaped from Seattle, and they had come over to a little place close to Seattle, and there they did their thing, whatever hippies did. And I guess we probably don't want to talk about that. <laughs> And I remember hearing stories about this little church in western Washington. These hippies began to come to this church, and they would sit on the front rows, and they would stink from lack of hygiene. <laughs> and I remember hearing what God was doing when this season of refreshing began to move across the face of the earth and all over the nation and all over the world, these young radicals that had checked out of society began to become followers of Jesus. And no church anywhere received more benefit than this church. Guys like Tom Hardebeck, Art Garland, do you realize if that time of refreshing hadn't happened, you wouldn't even have a pastor today? Well, you would have a pastor, but it wouldn't be Pastor Justin. <laughs> so out of, out of that refreshing time, this, the foundation of this church, the pillars of this church came forth. Dan Raleigh, Ed Leckenby, Phil Silver, Stan Hughes, Tim Buckley, Bob Lenander, Thomas Smith, Buck Roth, Dale Jacoby, Ted Warren, and it could go on and on and on and on. When this church embraced what God was doing and the spirit of refreshing, the spirit of revival swept through that, and even today we still are in the afterglow of what God did. That was in the early 60s that that began to happen. And then about 20 years later, there was a movement called the Charismatic Movement in which God began to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Yeah. And I was very skeptical because I was a young pastor that had it all together at that time. <laughs> and I remember our little pastor's fellowship in eastern Washington. Somebody had invited this Catholic priest from Seattle to come over and talk to us. And I spent some time and I loaded my guns <laughs> because I said, if this man is truly filled with the Holy Spirit, then how can he? And then I had this long list. And I went to this meeting and I sat in this meeting with about 20 pastors and we heard this Catholic priest get up. 
And uh, he talked to us about the love of God, the love of Jesus. When the meeting was dismissed, I was ready to go confront him with what I believed was truth. And before I could get to him, he got to me. And he threw his arms around me and he said, Oh, Brother Easterly, when I heard you were Assembly of God, my heart leaped within me because some of the greatest fellowship we have is with Assembly of God people, and I love you. <laughs> well, needless to say, I was disarmed. <laughs> I was disarmed. Our churches, this church embraced it. Churches we were in. And a few weeks ago, Dan Raleigh, I attended a word retreat, Buck Creek Camp on the way to Mount Rainier. And I walked into that lodge, and I sat down, and all I could think of was, in 1978, I sat in that same room with 135 Christian leaders from the Seattle area. Every denomination you could think of was there. Men who had been filled with the spirit of the living God, who spoke in tongues and who rejoiced in the presence of Almighty God. And we experienced the refreshing of God. And for years, that spirit of refreshing swept over the church. We sang scripture courses. We worshiped God. We turned from just singing songs to worship. God began to breathe upon us the, the spirit of God. And then about 20 years later, isn't that amazing? Every 20 years. I attended our generational ministry fellowship quarterly gathering in Puyallup. Pastor Craig Lotz and Moni Lotz came in and said, let, let, let us share with you what, what God has done. And for a few minutes, they shared with us of what we called renewal, soaking in the presence of God. And uh, I said, bless God, you can pray for me, but I'm not going down. I'm not going to do that thing. And I don't know what happened. I absolutely don't know what happened. But when they put hands upon me, the next thing I knew, I was laying on the floor in the presence of God. And we experienced refreshing. And I came back to generational hope. And I said on one Sunday morning, just casually, as I was preaching, I just said, if you're interested, you know, we're going to come tonight. We didn't have Sunday night services. And let me just tell you what God is doing in my life. And so that night, the place was packed. Couldn't believe it. And I, I, I kid you not, before we could even start praying for people, people were falling off their chairs in the presence of God. And God touched us with refreshing. John Guerra. I remember John coming, and he would stay till, him and his wife would stay till like midnight, one o'clock. I mean, every night of the week, we gathered for weeks. 
in the presence of Almighty God. And God touched us in such a powerful, mighty way. And John Garrett would come. And I knew he had to get up at 4.30 in the morning and go to work at Boyne. And he did it all day. And he came. I don't think he missed the time. Refresh John in the presence of Almighty God. And that phenomenon swept across the nation. And it was a season of refreshing where God refreshed us. It was a time of visitation that God, and by the way, it's 20 years since that happened. 20 years ago in the year, the year 2000 is when we experienced renewal for days and days and days here in this church. And it's 20 years later. And guess what? The Spirit of God is beginning to stir things again. Amen. The wind of God is beginning to blow. And I believe there's a fresh breath that's coming. There's a flame that's beginning to burn. 21 days of pursuit wasn't just 21 days that we spent just because it was a religious thing to do. I literally believe that it was God saying to us as a church, it's time that I'm going to move again on the face of the earth. And I don't want you to miss your day of visitation. we got to go after it, church. We can't just sit back and say, oh, my, that's good for down the road. But if you would notice, every move of God of these, these four that I've shared with you are totally different than the other one. Not the same. They're not even the same. And what God is going to do, what God is beginning to do now, I don't understand and I don't know completely what it's going to look like. But I do know it's time to turn. It's time to turn because it's a day of refreshing to go after it. Let me read some verses out of Exodus. Look at these verses. Very, very key. Very important to what God is saying to us today. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of God appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked. And behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. He looked. He stood there and he looked, and he saw the bush burning, because the bush is going to burn, and it wasn't consumed. Then Moses said, notice these words, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Hey, Moses, I'm here. When God sees that we turn, God will say, I am here. God will show up. It takes your and my turning to behold what God... Now listen, there's a lot of crazy things that happen in renewal, in revival, in the charismatic move, in what God is doing. There's a crazy things that happen to our religious minds. Yeah, that's right. 
in the season of refreshing. But when God sees that we turn, then God shows up. That's the principle that God wants to say to us this morning. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, the Lord showed up. Something's happening. Something's happening. Let me just mention a couple things this morning. There's so many, but let me mention a couple things to you. Friday of this past week, maybe the most important speech that's been made in our lifetime was made in our nation. And if you didn't hear it, then you wonder what I'm talking about. But our president, President Trump, stood with the, at the March for Life, and he made a speech regarding the sanctity of life. And it will prove, I tell you prophetically this morning, it will prove to be one of the most important, significant speeches that have been made in our lifetime. When he declared that every child in a womb is the creation of God and the sanctity of that life is the most important thing. Listen, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it isn't so important what's what's going on around the world in the political scene today. The most important issue that we fight today is the issue of pro-life. Everything else can line up, but if we don't get this right, our nation is down the tube. And you may not believe that, but I'm telling you prophetically that that is the most important issue today. And God has put a man in office in our nation that stands for pro-life, and he's willing to stand regardless of what and make a declaration of the sanctity of life. And if you didn't hear his speech on Friday morning, you need to go listen to it. Who would have ever thought that our president would stand before the world and make the kind of declaration, listen, we need to turn and see what God is doing in this. And I'm not here this morning to champion our president's cause. I'm not here to say this or that about it. I'm just simply saying that God put a man regardless of what you think of him, to stand and address the most important issue that we face as a nation, that we face in the world. I I, I, I feel something happening, going on. I'm going to turn, I'm going to see. Today, right now, the greatest move of God in the world is happening among the Muslims in Iran. More people are coming to Jesus in the Muslim nations than anywhere in the world. The the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Now listen, listen, listen. Nobody's preaching to them. No great name is going there. No Billy Graham is going there. Nobody's going there preaching. But God is waking them in the middle of the night with visions and dreams about Jesus. 
and they've never experienced anything like that in their life. And they're turning their lives to Jesus by the thousands. All you hear in the news is about the war. All you hear is, this, is those kinds of things. And you don't hear about those kinds of things. In the, and by the way, I listened to the news on several different stations on Friday night just to hear what they would say about our president's speech. And not one news service mentioned anything about his speech at all. But we need to be awake. We need to be sensitive to what God is doing because it's a day of refreshing. Three million evangelical Christians in Brazil march in the city declaring that our nation belongs to God. After all they've gone through, the chaos and the corruption that's gone through in that nation, three million are standing saying, our nation belongs to God and they have full support of their president. In Hungary, in Hungary, their president declares that their nation will be a Christian nation. He's determined that that nation will become a Christian nation. Listen, that's what's happening today around the world. Cele celebrities are meeting God and it's changing popular culture as we know it. You watch it, it'll happen. 60,000 young people m meet in Atlanta, Georgia between Christmas and New Year's on a, a pursuit, a passion pursuit to, to seek Almighty God. Young people in Maple Valley are meeting in coffee places, yeah. worshiping God yeah. and asking God for a revival to move in our community. Listen, that's happening right now. You maybe don't even know it. But there's a group of young people that are beginning to meet and cry out to God for this move of God to go across the face of the earth. One of the greatest soccer stars in, in, in Africa and in Europe, they call it football. One of the greatest football stars in, in, in Europe has found Jesus, just found Jesus, and he tweets out on his social media account to all of his followers his testimony about Jesus and implores them to turn their life to Jesus. He has 19 million followers. One man touching 19 million young people. Whether they all hear it, we don't know. We don't know. Kanye West. You have a lot of criticism. But this week, he shares with 12,000 young people his testimony, and this is what he said. The devil had me. I was demon-possessed, but now Jesus has me. And I surrendered my life to Jesus, and you need to do the same thing. Those aren't casual, those aren't casual happenings. Those aren't just things that we want to write in our magazines. It's the breath of God beginning to move on the face of the earth. And when he turned, when God saw that he turned, God says, here I am. Here I am. Church, when God sees that we turn, God will show up. God will be there. Let me give you a word now. 
Let me give you a word that I believe is prophetic. Listen to it carefully. This visitation, this season of refreshing, will be a move of the Holy Spirit touching governments and nations of the world, bringing about the fulfillment of God's promise, I will give you the nations as an inheritance. It will happen in nations as the church prays. It will not be some big name. It will not be some place that people run to, but it will be in the seat of government, governments, as we pray. You'll hear stories, not miracles as we know, though it will be miraculous. Stories which may be hard to believe unless we make the turn to see why the bush is burning but not being consumed. Like President Trump's speech this last week. To the natural, it will be hard to understand. Sometimes even hard to believe. Watch Israel. Church, watch Israel. Watch what happens in Israel very closely. Sometimes it'll be hard to believe, but it will be God. It will not take place in the church, though the church will be increased and benefit, the church must pray. This is already beginning to happen in many nations. The church must move from the position of what affects me, what affects my family, and what affects my friends to understand God's agenda for the nations and call and, and God's agenda for the nations and call it forth in intercession. We must discern God's agenda for the nations. He has set times and seasons. He will raise up kings and he will take them down. The church must turn from a self-centered gospel to embrace God's agenda for the nation and for nations. Listen, the time is past for us to come always and, and, and cry out to God just for our needs. It's a self-centered gospel. We've got to move away from that. We've got to turn from that and begin to understand God's agenda for the nations of the world and embrace that. And when we turn from our self-centered gospel and we turn to God's agenda, then God will say, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. It's time to make the turn. Time to make the turn. I'm going to skip those last two verses. Though I do have an hour yet. So I, uh, one time in my life, I was quite a hunter. I loved to deer hunt. I was raised in Cleelum, and we used to uh, get our deer every year in our backyard. Actually, the first elk I ever shot was a morning that I was mad because my boss didn't let me go hunting. He didn't let me off work. I had to milk cows, and after I did my chores, I could go hunting. And so it was about 9 o'clock in the morning, and I was setting 
at the table eating breakfast, you know, stewing. It wasn't stew, it was pancakes. But I was stewing because he didn't let me go hunting. First day of elk season. And I looked up and looked out the window, and I noticed a herd of elk coming across the field. And I got my gun, and I went out and leaned up on a against the fence post, and I shot my elk. And hooked up the tractor to uh, the wagon and went out and loaded up the, the elk and brought him in, strung him up in the machine shed, and uh, that was my elk in Cleowin. But I was with a group of men that we used to every year go to Winthrop, uh, Perigen Lake, and go up to a place called Blue Buck, and we used to hunt. We used to spend a whole week hunting there every year. And I'd done this for a number of years, and this one year that I went, I determined that I wasn't just going to shoot a little buck this year. I, I wanted a trophy. I was after the giant, the big one. And so I had passed up my, my partner that I hunted with. He always hunted with two of us. The partner I hunted with, we had determined that we were just going to shoot a trophy this year. We weren't going to shoot the little buck. And this is about the fourth day, maybe the fifth day that we'd been hunting, and we didn't have our deer yet. And so we got up really early in the morning, like, like at 4 o'clock in the morning, and we would hike this seven or eight miles up this valley, and then we would climb up on top of the ridge and be there at daylight, and then begin to hunt the ridge all the way back to camp. And so we had done this for about five mornings, and it was on the fifth morning, and we hiked up there, and, and then we, I, all of a sudden, you know, I, I said to my partner, today's the day we're gonna get the big one. And we hunted till about two o'clock in the afternoon, and, uh, we hadn't seen anything yet. We became very casual in hunting. We weren't paying attention. We were just kind of talking with each other and we were just kind of, that's ah, over, you know, we're going home. Won't get our deer this year. And not paying any attention at all. And all of a sudden I just looked up and there he was. The biggest buck I'd ever seen, the biggest mule deer I'd ever seen in my life. He had a rack of horns that looked like about this big. I'm not sure it was that big. You know how fishermen hunters are. <laughs> but it, it was the one that I had dreamt of, of, of getting. And I, I looked up and I saw this buck and I, Bob, 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 look at that deer. And he was gone. Wasn't ready. Was too casual wasn't paying attention. Didn't even pick my gun up to shoot. Somebody said you had buck fever. Well, maybe I did. But I missed my chance. I missed my opportunity. It was there that I wasn't giving attention to what I was there for. I wasn't concentrating on why I had come, why, why I was there, what I wanted. I was just kind of casual, nonchalant. And may, maybe I'm getting older. Maybe I'm getting old. But I don't want it to ever be said that you missed your day of visitation. 
I don't want it to be said of generational hope that we missed our visitation. So when God sees that we are willing to make the turn, to see, even though it may be different than anything we've ever seen before, we begin to discern by the Spirit what God's agenda is for the earth, not just for our little family and our little always that we have. You know, every little kid knows that if mama will just kiss it, it'll be okay. That's kind of the way we treat God. It's kind of the way we have our mindset towards God. That God's just there to kiss your owie and it'll be okay. I'm glad he does. But he's got much more in his mind, in his spirit, in his agenda than just our little owies. God says when we're willing to turn, when we make that turn, then God says, I'm here. God shows up. It's a day of visitation, church. It's a day when God wants to come and bring a spirit of refreshing. And I stood in worship this morning and I said, I haven't felt like this for a long time in worship. I said a few weeks ago at the end of a service, and I know if we would have stayed here, we would have experienced the presence of God like we never did before, but we had to leave, it was 11 o'clock. No, 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 no. Those are times that we turn. We sense, we discern what God wants to do. And God says, if you'll turn, and if you'll turn, then I'll show up. I'll be there. The bush is beginning to burn. Let's stand together. And let's sing that chorus again that we ended our worship time with. The blessing of God. If you know, God is so good. God is so good. Come on, God is so good. He's so awesome. He's so wonderful. Let's tell him. Let's tell him how good he is. feel that. I expect, I expect a tremendous season of refreshing. Not because I think it's 20 years, but because I think I sense that what God is doing, the Spirit of God. Watch the nations, watch the nations. Watch what's happening in the nations of the earth. Begin to see, begin to embrace, discern, 
begin to discern and embrace what God is doing because it's a season of refreshing. The goodness of God is upon us. If you're here this morning and you've never made a commitment to Jesus to be a follower of Jesus, if you, if you listen to, to what's been spoken and, and sense the Spirit this morning calling you, this is the moment for you to turn your life to become a follower of Jesus. See, we, 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 don't, even, we don't even call ourselves Christian anymore because Christian just means you're not something else. God is calling us to be followers of Jesus. And that's what we are. And God is calling. If he's calling you this morning, just say yes. Just say yes. Make that turn. Make that turn. For the rest of us this morning, as we feel the Spirit of God, let's make a turn to behold and discern what God is doing. Because God wept. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. His heart cried out because those he came to didn't even discern their day of visitation. It's so easy to miss it, but we discern our day of visitation. Let's not miss our visitation. And however it plays out, I don't know. I can't tell you, but I do believe that God is moving in the nations of the earth, and I believe he's raising up governments all over the nation to begin to lead us in what God wants to do in these days. We may not approve of who he raises up, but that's not yours to approve. Because the scripture says he raises up and he takes down. He sets kings on thrones and he removes kings. God does that. If we believe in God at all, we believe that what we're beginning to see in the nations of the world and in our nation why do the heathen rage, the scripture says? Why do they plot against the Most High? Why do they plot against those that he has raised up? Because they don't know. And when God raises somebody up, let me tell you, there's going to be a force that wants to take them out. Let us break their chains. Let us disperse them asunder. Let's remove them, get rid of them. God just laughs. He sits in the heavens and he laughs. He laughs because he's in control. And we believe that in the nations of the earth we're beginning to see that. Let's embrace our day of visitation. Thank you, Pastor Justin, for letting me share. I would have probably blown up if you hadn't let me share this morning. Love this church. Love you. Love what God has done. Love what God is doing. Just love. Love Art Garland. Just know where God brought him, how God brought him, along with all the others. Yeah. Now this church embraced all that. We are today what we are because God is so good. And God is not through. We'll turn to embrace it. Amen? Yeah. Well, love you deeply. May God bless you. May you have a great day. Keep your eyes towards the bush. It's burning. Turn to see. God bless you. You may be dismissed. Oh,